Hello, career competitor. This is Steve Meller, as always, here to share with you some powerful conversation and some significant insights into what it means to optimize your career in pursuit of your optimal self. I am excited to be introducing our guest here shortly. But as always, let me draw your attention to careercompetitor.com, where you'll see right at the top of that homepage is a place where you can enter your email and become a part of my monthly subscription, my mid-monthly message, where I am just simply giving you that little nudge in the middle of the month to remember that whatever it was you set out to achieve with all that energy at the outset of the month and what Ever those lofty goals may be at the end of the month that you're not going to lose sight of that journey in between. Become a part of my community today. Head to careercompetitor.com, enter your email, and look forward to my next mid-monthly message. Now, let's get right into the show. Hello there and welcome into this episode of Career Competitor where my guest today is Scott Jeffrey Miller and Scott will certainly be getting the introduction that he is worthy of in just a moment. But just to shed light on some of the key content within this episode, we start with the importance of taking action to ensure that you're charting the right course for your career. We then move into this notion of connecting and making time for gaining first-hand experience of what it takes to not only do the role that you want, but to master it as well. And finally, Scott provides insight on how we are all capable of giving ourselves permission to pursue the career and life that we truly want. So all those things and more within this incredible conversation with my guest, Scott Jeffrey Miller, and I hope you all enjoy it. Okay, our career competitor today is a proven leadership expert, highly sought-after speaker, and slightly more successful podcast host than yours truly. But our guest career includes spending more than 25 years with Franklin Covey, where they have worked their way up into the role of senior advisor, while today also being the partner and co-founder of Gray and Miller, an agency that connects authors, speakers, and talent with the right people at the right time. Having already authored six books that include Wall Street Journal and Amazon bestsellers, our guest is here today to discuss their forthcoming book, Career on Course, 10 Strategies to Take Your Career from Accidental to Intentional. So whether you are looking for some course correction within your career, key leadership insights, or just nuggets of insights from a pool of knowledge, our guest today has got you covered. I'm honored to welcome into Career Competitor, the Swiss Army Knife that is Scott Jeffrey Miller. Scott, welcome. Steve, what an honor. The Swiss Army Knife. I hope to live up to that. So appreciate you shining your megawatt spotlight on me today. Excited to talk all things career with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having read the book intently and to be honest, against what you advise within the introduction a little bit quicker than, than you would recommend, I will be going back to do all uh, all the assignments that you have within the book. I, I cannot just sort of 
uh, firstly say how much I enjoyed it. Secondly, say just how much it really speaks to the title, which I think is sometimes doesn't get discussed enough. You know, it's great to have a great title. It's great to have a great cover. But when you feel nothing but intention come through your words, um, it really spoke to me in that regard. So my, my first question to you, Scott, more than anything is why now? I always like that with authors. Like why was now the right time for you to be writing this book and putting it out to the world? This is my seventh book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've written seven in five years, which is probably three too many, but this is my favorite book. And I think this is my best book. My books prior to this have been on leadership, management, marketing, mentorship. But this is a book that I am just wildly passionate about because if you think about it, you spend more time in your life with those you work with than you do awake with your family and friends. Do the math. It's kind of horrifying, especially for those of us, you know, that are very career-driven capitalists and such. And so as I started at the front line and worked my way up to become an officer in a global company in the C-suite, you can imagine I learned a few things along the way in my own career as well as those around me. What I found is is that most people's careers rely way too much on serendipity. Mm. They, they, They are very too accidental. They're too meandering. Oh, well, that sounded interesting. Okay, maybe I'll do that. Or you know someone over there? Yeah, I'm mad at my boss this month. But the best careers are those that are more intentional, more deliberate, where you think not just about what's next, but about what's after what's next. That Mm. doesn't mean that all careers don't have serendipity. Of course they do. But I wanted to try to inoculate a generation of people from making too many mistakes in their careers. Sometimes we learn from those mistakes. They're not all bad. But I wrote this book to help people become more intentional and less accidental and keep their career on course, which you Mm -hmm. can't do if you haven't at least defined the course, been able to recalibrate the course, revisit the course. You're not on course if there's no course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and, and so much of so much of that sentiment it resonated with me throughout the book because of my background in sport. And it was something that I already noticed. I noticed it a lot as an athlete, but then I moved into coaching for a while. And that for me is where I saw everything that you're talking about almost 10 X at that point was that the athletes that made it, they were able to charter the course and then commit to the course with whatever came with it and understand that that was just, this is how we get from A to B. This is how we get from being competitive within this large pool to being competitive with the best at what they do. And I, I think chartering the course is, again, it's tricky because as a as a um, as someone who would prescribe themselves as a generalist, the way you speak to generalists in the book, I'm curious when you think about your journey as someone who has also acknowledged himself as a generalist, how does someone start to become a little bit more aware of the fact that maybe they haven't charted a course because I think that level of consciousness that is required just to simply notice, hey, I'm actually not on course. I need to get on course. What might be a step or two that people can take towards just simply getting that clear awareness that they need to get on the right course? Well, I'm delighted that you transitioned to the generalist versus specialist category, which is strategy number two. Mm. The truth is, I wrote this book for generalists, right? You know, for the people that, you know, announce they're going to be a veterinarian in fourth grade, this book may not be your sweet spot, <laughs> right? Those of you who have always wanted to be an anesthesiologist, your SAT was higher than mine. I wrote this book, I think, for the other 90% of us that aren't exactly sure what it is we want to do when we grow up. 
And that's okay. But I just wish someone had told me back when I was 21, Scott, it's okay. You're going to probably be a project manager. You're going to move into sales. You're going to move into sales leadership. You're going to then become, believe it or not, the chief marketing officer. And then you're going to write books and host a podcast and a radio program. I would have said, you're crazy. There's no way. But it's okay, Scott. What's not okay is if you don't knit all those things together, which you don't want to be as a 55-year-old that's done 18 things, but doesn't know how to weave them together into a value prop that a company wants to pay for your skills. So let me give this gift to others that never was given to me. If you're not quite sure what it is you want to be when you grow up, it's okay. In fact, congrats. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to have some imposter syndrome. You're going to have a lot of comparison to specialists. Don't do that. Do not compare yourself to your friend who became a patent attorney at age 26 and she decided that was her life goal. Sounds kind of boring to me, but great for her. Mm -hmm. Give yourself some latitude to know there may be some meandering. That's okay, right? Some of the best rivers in the country meander until they actually take on their full force and serve their purpose, which is to irrigate and to navigate, that kind of stuff. Give yourself some permission. But here's what I would say to answer your question. Think about what would your career look like? If you're in your 20s or 30s, even 40s, think about your late 50s and 60s. What is the ultimate look like? Do you want to be a CEO? Do you want to be on the executive team? Do you want to be the general manager of this product line or of this region? Do you want to end up in Australia? What what does your ultimate goal look like? Be audacious and then work backwards. I think most people forecast, like, you know, I want to be the senior director or I want to be the Salesforce ninja for the next 40 years? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So I argue in the book, instead of forecasting, backcast, start with your end in mind, even if it's outrageously amb- ambitious. I want to be a U.S. senator. I want to be the secretary of state of California, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then start to work backwards. OK, so if I want to be the CEO 25 years from now, I probably need to be in the C-suite. I probably need to be an EVP, an SVP, a VP, a director. You get the point. I need operations experience. I need supply chain experience. I need to manage a PL. I need to lead people. I need to hire and fire. I need to be able to write well. I need all those kinds of things. That's what I think most people don't do enough of, but they don't think long-term, have a long-term plan, and then work backwards. So for those who are listening right now, in the book, I actually share this exercise. I believe it's strategy four to illustrate and recalibrate your long-term plan. That I think is the key to having a career on course. Acknowledge you may be a journalist. Be Mm -hmm. comfortable in the fact that your career is going to meander a little bit. But like an airline pilot who, you know, starts out in San Diego and is headed to St. Louis, they're always going to be a little bit off course and they're always kind of tacking back to that prescribed path. I love it. I love it. And and the the reverse engineering component is something that – you know, again, to use that sentiment that you talked about, if someone had only just pulled you to one side and, uh. and, and let you know early on, seeing that we have Scott speaking about this notion of reverse engineering and just chartering that course towards where you want to get to, I want to introduce one of our show sponsors, Magic Mind. Now, let me paint you a picture, see if it sounds familiar to you, because it certainly has been for me up until this year. What I do to get through my day is I will just keep going back to the coffee pot, refilling my cup and having four, maybe even five sometimes 
coffees throughout my day, not because I'm tired, so to speak, but it's just almost my my approach to staying engaged, assuming that that in itself will somehow be enough to get the best out of me. But you know what we're about on this show. We're trying to find optimal performance in anything and everything that we do. And I'm so fortunate that I was introduced to the folks at Magic Mind. And it's why I'm so excited to tell you about them too, because since I've started using Magic Mind this past year, goodness me, my focus has just become so consistent. No more crashes throughout my day anymore. And I've not had to completely get rid of my coffee because I do love it. But I just start my day with a couple of cups of coffee, and then I move to my magic mind around mid-morning, and then I see myself really sort of hit my stride with the stuff that really matters with working with clients and obviously interviewing awesome folks like Scott. But it's really no surprise when you consider that their productivity shot is made from all natural ingredients, zero sugar, and then of course there's matcha, which is nature's extended release of caffeine. I don't want to be the one that's benefiting from this and not sharing it with you. So head to magicmind.com slash career competitor and enter code competitor20 at checkout for yourself to get 56% off your first subscription and 20% off your first one-time order. That's magicmind.com slash career competitor and enter code competitor20, C-O-M-P-E-T-I-T, OR20 to get that 56% off your first subscription and 20% off your one time purchase. I assure you that with the purchase of something like their 30 pack, which is easily their best bang for your buck, you're going to start to see the immediate benefits with your productivity and with your health as well. Head to magicmind.com slash career competitor, enter code competitor20, get that 56% off your first subscription and 20% off that one-time purchase. You will not regret it. Something that you've said there, though, Scott, is someone wasn't pulling you to one side to give you the answers. Someone was simply pulling you to one side to tell you it was going to be okay. And I think in that comes a a sense of empowerment to to really know, like, hey, it's going to be okay. And I'm actually, I can have this crazy end goal as you're encouraging us all to have 30, 35, 40 years down the line. But some of the ickiness and some of the messiness that comes with getting on that course early on, hey, it's going to be okay. And and that's what I love about my audience is that I get people from people fresh out of college, some even in college, all the way up to folks well into their 50s, 60s, 70s listening to this show. And I think every single one of them can relate to this very sentiment. I think it's going to be okay if you make it okay. Meaning, Every role you're in, you want to be asking yourself, what should I be taking out of this? Is this a chance for me to really understand a marketing automation system? Is this for me a chance to understand supply chain or cost of goods or how to calculate margin? Is this a chance for me to understand the import-export tariffs? Whatever it is, right? Or customer service or how to deal with difficult personalities and diffuse conflict with you know energized customers. Think about... What are the skills and the competencies you're going to build out of this phase, this job, this role, and identify them, prescribe them for yourself, and don't leave that role until you have mastered those skills and you take them with you. I'll tell you what I think the best strategy is for people when you can determine what you think your ultimate goal might be in your 50s, 60s, however long it is, you know, you're probably going to have a 40-year career for most of us, right? 23 to 65 or longer, depending upon your investments and your lifestyle. 
you want to think about what is the ultimate career look like and then go meet with those people. If you want to be a CFO, if you want to be a chartered financial analyst, if you want to be a mortgage broker and own your own business, go meet with some of them and ask them, what are the competencies you think I need to be mastering in step order along the way? And that can be almost your your on your bucket list, right? You're checking things off along the way because you're much more likely to land that ultimate or pit ultimate career goal when you know what the steps are to get there. And not just not just checking off roles, but mastering competencies along the way. They could be hard skills and they could be power skills. We know these as soft skills, but every career needs to also master the power skills of communication, interpersonal relationships, self-awareness, maturity, offering apologies, taking responsibility. Those things are as important as, you know, calculating margin. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you bolded, underlined that making it okay part because it it really covers two consistent themes throughout the book, which is that of the self-awareness component and then the leadership component too. Like again, Maybe this is a book in your mind on leadership. Maybe it's not. Maybe that wasn't the intention. You've obviously released books in the past that have been specific to that. But for me, <laughs> leadership 101 is self-awareness. I mean, it just is. Yes. And, and and you even speak to that in so many words in the book too. And so with that being said, you know, talk to me just a little bit, I suppose, now about when you talk when you talk about and present self-awareness and you even give a few accounts of certain very high-level executives saying like, listen, this is the one thing I'm looking for above anything in the job search, in the interviewing process. Um, talk to me about why self-awareness is at the heart of so much of what is represented within this book. Steve, thank you. This is the high point of this podcast interview regardless of what comes next because <laughs> this is the fulcrum of every successful career, every successful life, relationship, marriage, roommate arrangement, business partnership, entrepreneurship. I think too many of us spend time studying other people. Like I can I can tell you all about Dan Pink's journey, Seth Godin's journey. I've studied Liz Wiseman and Kim Scott and Rachel Hollis and Ed Milet, everyone. I can tell you how many books they sold. I know how many podcast listens they have. I mean, I know their lives well because as a creature who likes to disrupt myself, reinvent myself, I like to follow the paths of other successful people. I don't like to reinvent the wheel. I like to reinvent myself. The challenge therein is because, you know, you can look behind me. These are books that I've read last year. Mm -hmm. These are the ones I wrote last year on the shelf. These are the books I read last year. Like you, I'm a voracious reader. But I think we spend more time studying other people than we do studying ourselves. And so I would argue that all of your listeners, if you want to become more self-aware, you've got to study yourself. Mm -hmm. What's it like to be in a meeting with you? What's it like to stand at a trade show booth with you all day long? What's it like to play pickleball with you? What's it like to be your roommate? What's it like to be on a Zoom call with you? I tell you, it's a lot more difficult than you think it is, right? (laughs) How much do you talk versus listen? Do you overshare? Are you always one-upping people? Do you ever pay anybody else a compliment? How many questions do you ask about the other person when you go to lunch with them? And then do you listen to their response empathically? 
Most of us think we're more handsome, our breath is better, we smell better, we're more patient, we're more inquisitive, on and on than we are. Newsflash, most of us have no idea what it's like to date us or lead us or be led by us. And so every one of your listeners today should be on an insatiable journey to find trusted people in their lives that will tell them what it's like to work with, for, and lead them. And there's really two simple questions. Ask people, what do I do that annoys you? And what do I do that delights you? And then when they tell you, say, gosh, thank you, that took some courage. If someone says, no, 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 you don't do anything that annoys me. You're, you're awesome. Say, no, no, that's not true. I'm right. not awesome. I know for a fact that there have to be things I do that annoy you. Can you please tell me so that I can improve upon them? Because we all have blind spots and they're going to remain blind if I don't have people in my life that tell me what are the things that I do that annoy people. I need to know so that I can choose whether or not I want to fix them and address them. This is a topic I'm obsessed with. Because I don't perceive me how other people perceive me. Let me give you a great short example. This morning, I was driving back from a breakfast meeting, and I saw a friend of mine on the side of the road. I was on the phone with a company CEO, and I said, I got to hang up. Our mutual friend is on the side of the road. I pulled my car over, and she's standing looking in another car, and it's snowing in Salt Lake City. I get out, and I say to her, XYZ, what's going on? Well, her daughter had had a little fender bender. Everybody was okay. But I know she has twin daughters, one of which, by the way, is transgender. So her twin girls have now become her daughter and her son. Mm -hmm. To her shock and concern and love. And so it's a little bit interesting dynamic because one of the daughters is now a boy, presents as a boy. And so I get up like there to save the day with my big energy and all my jokes. And one of the children is crying. The other one is not. And Lena looked at me and said, Scott, it's okay. You can leave. What she really meant is, Scott, I appreciate you. Wrong energy, wrong time. Now, I stuck around because it's kind of hard to take a hint. And I tried to make jokes and had them sit in my car. They didn't want to. The point is, our technique is often mismatched with our intent. My intent was to help. But I don't have a calming personality, right? No one has ever hired me to give the eulogy at a funeral, ever. Evacuate a burning building? I'm your God. But I have to be a little more intuitive and a little more self-aware that my energy and stamina and fix-it kind of personality isn't always right for the season. This morning was a great example. I think I probably did more harm than I did help. I mentioned the transgender piece because I referred to her children as your daughters. And it's not my business what's going on in her family, right? She's doing her best to accommodate her children and keep them alive and keep them happy and keep them on the right, their right path. And so here I am referring to now her son as her daughter, and I had a slip up, but I had to change, and it was a bit awkward. I did my best. I was forgiven. Long story, you get the point. Yeah. I, even for a guy who is evangelizing self-awareness, I am embarrassingly unself-aware. Hmm. It's, but the word that you used in all of that was this notion of choosing, choosing to be self-aware. Like, it doesn't mean that you're mastering it. It does, And to your point, that whole story, it, it illustrates that you have yet to and maybe you never will master it. And that's okay. But the choice to be self-aware immediately yeah. 
puts you in the advantage in terms of what you're doing with your life, with your career, with your relationships. You gave so many different circumstances and situations there through your examples of how and where we need to be self-aware. And then we have to throw in all these different relationships and the influences people either have on us or we're having on them. This Circumstances and scenarios and emergencies and yeah, yeah, exactly. It never yeah. ends. It never ends. And in, in terms of the, the only thing I will say is that me knowing my wife, I, I just encourage anybody that has a wife similar to mine to be very careful how you present the question, hey, tell me what I'm not very good at because we could be here a while. You know, it's just one, one oh. of those things. <laughs> and that's an important point, right? You and I both live in the public eye. Yeah. And, you know, people are not short on opinions about my hair, my glasses. Right. I have a speech impediment. I'm a stutterer. Mm. I think I write about it in the book. I have a pretty strong stutter. And so some people mock that. I get words wrong. I misconjugate words because if a word's coming up and I can't say it, I'll replace it with another word that sometimes fits and sometimes doesn't fit. So I get hooked up. And so I have to make sure I'm very careful about who I receive feedback from. Mm. Do they have my, my best interest at heart? Can they give it to me based on a set of facts not opinions and just moods and feelings because facts are facts and feelings are feelings and they're both valuable, but they aren't always from the same motive. Mm-hmm. Be really careful about who you solicit feedback from. And then if you do ask for the feedback, don't dispute it, deny it, deflect it. Thank them for it. Validate their courage. Ask them for some specific scenarios in which they saw you do or say or act that way. And then you decide whether or not you're going to make the change. What you don't want to do is start asking people for feedback and then dismiss it or not implement changes because then they'll think that was a hollow request. Be very careful about your strategy for requesting and implementing feedback. And I write about it in chapter three, study yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I think a, a huge theme, and again, I've already reference a couple and i think it's just a testament to how much i enjoyed the book but the the one of the running themes i've noticed is this book is for people as you said like that 90 percent of those generalists it's the ones that have suddenly hit hit a point in their life and in their path where they say listen i am now choosing to either create greater direction or change direction and and it's a conscious choice and I, you know, I wrote a similar book myself uh, a year or so ago about realizing potential. And one of the things I say in my book at the very outset is that this is for people that are ready to realize their potential. I'm not here to convince you to go do that. If you're ready to go ahead and do it, then let's do it. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, there has to be a true realization in place or in motion as you're starting out on a journey like this where you say, hey, listen... I'm ready for what's to come and the work that is required here. And I love how you, you I think it's like the first sentence of the book, you're like, I'm going to speak in my voice and my voice only throughout this book, something along those lines. And that comes through in abundance in the sense of this is for people to hear what they're ready to hear. And I think that is such an important part that I just had to emphasize within our discussion here. Thank you, Steve. My first six books were fairly episodic. You could open the book and read chapter 18 and then go back to chapter six this book is sequential. I did carefully calibrate these 10 strategies in order. I don't think it's the kind of book you read on a flight, unlike my other books that are very digestible in three or four hours. This is more of a book that you work in and you revisit. 
And I think if someone actually puts the energy in to do the work that I prescribe, it will transform your or your partner or spouse's or child's or colleague's career over time. I actually, without sounding too self-aggrandizing, I think it has the chance to completely change the trajectory of someone's career and thus their life. Yeah, and well, I'll, I'll support that, and I'll, I'll instead of instead of you feeling as though you're speaking on behalf of yourself, I just want to support that and build upon that a little bit here, though, too. Is that you know, so many insights like this, uh, you know, you refer to a few stories and a few conversations that you have within your podcast throughout, but so much of the insight that you're providing is your journey, your experience, your hands-on. Uh, experience to not only successes, which people assume sometimes to write books like this, it has to be success, all success. You reference a number of times where you experienced emotion, where you experienced failure, and in those were the greatest lessons. And almost coming away from the book slightly now and more in towards your career, your journey up to this point, I'd love for you just to speak a little bit to that as well, because here we are talking about you know changing people's careers and lives maybe forever, having read a book like this. But let's try this question on for size. Where in your world or where within your journey, sorry, would a book like this maybe had been a good resource for you? I'm shaking my head because I'm getting a little emotional. Uh, Probably when I was 20. Mm. Six months ago, I had the privilege of taking my oldest son. I have three sons, 9, 12, and 13. Took my oldest son to the U.S. Open. We're all tennis players, Mm. quite competitively. Mm -hmm. And we took my oldest son's tennis coach with us as a gift. And he is a very educated 26-year-old, has an undergraduate degree in aeronautical engineering. He's going to become an airline pilot. He's going to become a commercial airline pilot. Mm -hmm. He also has pursued an interest in dentistry, kind of as an avocation, he likes to go to countries on service missions and help dentists extract teeth, but he's also a tennis coach. Mm-hmm. I'm in the car in New York City driving out to Flushing Meadows, and I asked this gentleman, I said, you know, did you always pick your career based on things you loved? Because he's super passionate about becoming an airline pilot, but he also loves dentistry, but he's right now loving coaching tennis and making a good career. I said to him in the back of the Uber, have you always picked your careers based on what brought you joy and what you loved? Now, I'm 55 and he's 25. Steve, he looked at me like I was an alien and he said, well, sure, didn't you? And I looked at him and I kind of teared up for a moment. I said, no, no, no one ever told me I could. No one ever gave me permission to like pursue my passion. I never gave myself permission. I just kind of did where the opportunities were early on and went to where the pay was. And I just kind of fell into stuff, which I think was 20% good and 80% not good because I just bounced around early on. And so to answer your question, I, I hope, I hope this book explodes in university and college career centers. I hope this book explodes graduating high school seniors. I hope this book explodes with aunts and uncles and grandparents and parents giving it to college graduates and people early in their career to say, life is short, right? Life is short. Life is precious. Not all of us can do what we love. Not all of us can make our avocations our vocations, but you should be more deliberate with the choices you make. And I hope that I have some interventions on people 
that go to undergraduate school and then take the LSAT and go to law school and then three years in decide, yeah, this isn't for me. And now they've got 250 grand of debt and they realize, you know what? I actually don't want to count my time in eight minute intervals and bill it back all day long. That, that, that actually, I never knew that. Yeah. And so I'm hoping this career book is an intervention. And I hope it also helps parents who's, you know, 25 year old wants to become a massage therapist. Great. Let's go study that because, you know, you're going to get carpal tunnel syndrome. I don't know a lot of 20 year massage therapists that are making a hundred grand a year. You may love it, but can that afford you the lifestyle? I hope this book prevents a lot of mistakes and pain. Now, some of that's good. We all know that some of those lessons are valuable, but some of them don't have to be learned. It's a long answer to your question, but I'm super passionate. You can see my, my, my tender emotion about it. Um, No one ever gave me permission to design my career and most importantly, I never gave myself permission. And I hope that's what this book does. It's certainly going to give them permission to to do that in abundance, Scott. And, and I'm such an advocate for, for that message being such an undertone throughout the book. And and what is what we're talking about here is how can we help people get to that point of being passionate about what they do as early on within their careers as possible. And sometimes that involves difficult conversations. Sometimes that simply means you got to sit someone down and, and say it how it is. Even if they're not ready to hear it, it may be something that they need to hear. And, and you're someone who's all too familiar with being in these rooms, with having worked with leaders as you have over the years, and and being a witness or being the person maybe delivering this type of information. Talk to us a little bit about why, despite our reluctance to have these conversations, we need to be stepping into these more difficult conversations. Well, I think sometimes these conversations are had uh, with you by someone else. And sometimes you have them with yourself. I mean, I once had a CEO say to me that thinking is a legitimate business activity. So I would say to all your listeners, you probably should spend some time studying yourself. And that doesn't just mean asking other people for feedback, although it does include that. It also just spends, it means spending some time on self-reflection. Why am I the way I am? What am I passionate about? What what am I great at that may or may not be something I want to do? A lot of us have strengths that aren't actually our passions. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm great at certain parts of my career, but it doesn't mean I like doing it. Some people are great at accounting. doesn't mean they should be an accountant. Mm-hmm. Some people are great at acting. doesn't mean they should be an actor. So I think it's, it's a dual part of building a brand where you make it easy for other people to give you feedback on what they perceive as your strengths where they perceive your body language or your your voice inflection demonstrating that you're passionate about something. I think it's double-sided and we have to not take things so personally. So if I was to give anybody advice on having a great career, it would be build a brand where it's easy for people to give you feedback on your strengths, on your weaknesses, on what they see in your life, what ignites you, what energizes you. And the more that you're open to getting feedback from other people, <clears throat> the more you're going to discover what are your passions. Just this morning, I was on a call with one of my, a business partner of mine and a business that I own. And he was giving me feedback on what he perceived as my time management skills. It was actually a very healthy conversation. And I kept saying, no, it's not, it's not a process issue. It's like, we need more competent people in our company. We went back and forth. But I've left that call thinking, 
Well, he's probably more right than I'm giving him credit for. I do need to improve my <laughs> time management skills, even as a 25-year executive of a time management company. Go figure right. that. So right. I think if everybody becomes a little more vulnerable, a little more transparent, and a little less defensive, you're going to be receptive to other people's insights around where you might be best suited or not suited or not, and what your passions may be, and where they could be misplaced or better placed. Yeah, and we could do a a whole nother episode around the importance of not taking things personally and and having that self awareness. And that's been a running theme throughout the conversation here. But most importantly, within the book, being so willing to simply embody self-awareness to welcome insight and obviously vet the people that you're getting that insight from that is such a huge part of it but to your point how can we start to become almost like this magnet for feedback a willing magnet for feedback and do it in a way where we know it's only supporting us moving closer towards these things that we are so passionate about and the, the book does that in abundance i cannot emphasize it enough i'm so excited to be part of this process in in helping you get the 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 message of the book out and and I'm beyond grateful to have uh this time with you and, and to learn from you the way in which I've been able to through this conversation as I know our listeners have too but most importantly where can we learn more about you and most importantly even more importantly where can we learn more about the book as well you know all my books are sold at all retailers so this particular book career and course is available at uh, Barnes and Noble now, Books a Million starting February 20th. It's on Amazon for pre-order. And you can listen to all my books on audio tape. You can visit scottjeffreymiller.com to learn more about all of my thought leadership. This particular book has a dedicated website, careeroncoursebook.com. And to my wife's horror, you can find me on all social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, X, YouTube, TikTok. I post multiple times daily. And my, my, my children call it sharenting. You've heard of parenting. They right. call it sharenting, that I'm sharing everything they do. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of knowledge for my next book, Parenting Mess to Launch Success. So stand by wow. for number eight, nine, and 10 coming out in 24, 25, and 26. Man, that's must read. Must read stuff right there. Scott, I appreciate you. I appreciate this opportunity to speak with you. And just best of luck with the book and everything moving forwards in 2024, brother. Steve, you're a class act. Thanks for the spotlight. Such incredible content courtesy of Scott Jeffrey Miller. And I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I enjoyed recording and speaking with Scott. My one insight that I want you to really take from this, if any, is that of taking time to start studying and focusing on you. Not just specifically what you want. That is tends to be one of the easier things that we can actually do. I want you to become a little bit more aware of simply who you are and how you show up in pursuit of those things that you're aspiring to achieve. So just one of my little nuggets to hold on to there off the back of that fantastic conversation. I'm sure you took many, many more in addition to that, but I'm just excited to keep this momentum going. Before you go, take the time, subscribe to the show. You'd be silly not to knowing what I've got coming up for you guys to be releasing in the weeks ahead. So make sure you're subscribing. If you want to provide some insights to go ahead, contact me, Steve at Career Competitor. I would love to hear from you. But otherwise, as always, best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on within your world. And I look forward to doing this all again with you very soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.